Locale. Local. Shock. Local. Cambiamento. Tapir. Gergelecta. Sacula Ijaia. Food. Change. Hello everyone and welcome back to the SPIN podcast. My name is Valentina Gritti and I'm the podcast host and the global community and project manager of the Slow Food Youth Network. This episode is part of the series Spinners Around the Globe. In this series, we're going to meet different activists of our network. We're going to get to know more about who they are, what they do in their daily life, and also how they're involved with the Slow Food Youth Network. The special guest of today is Cornel Popa, who is a spin activist based in Reykjavik, Iceland. Cornel has Italian roots, he lived in England, and now he's settled in Iceland. He's a creative chef and a writer. He's really involved in improving the local food system by preserving local varieties of food, coming up with zero-waste recipes, and also doing a cooking workshop for people in need and much more. Welcome, Cornel, to our spin podcast. Thank you, Valentina. It's good to hear you. Maybe we can start this interview with a bit of introduction about yourself. Yes, uh, definitely. So my name is Cornell. I am uh, 25 years old. And uh, as you mentioned, I'm, uh, I'm from Italy. I'm uh, coming from a small village in the south of uh, Italy called Carpino, which is about a uh, 3,000 people village. So it's <laughs> very, very small. But uh, it's a beautiful place. It's placed in... Uh, in the middle of the Gargano National Park, and it's just surrounded by olive trees, mountains, and sea. So, in my opinion, it's just paradise. I have been working as a uh, cook for the past uh, almost 10 years, but um, in, the, in the last six months, I have decided to step away from the restaurant industry, focusing more on my uh, writing career, as well as... Uh, working with uh, one of the local homeless uh, shelters or uh, soup kitchens. And uh, this pretty much takes uh, quite a good part of, uh, of my time nowadays. How did you start writing? Where does this passion come from? Well, uh, since I started chef school back, uh, back in 2013, I always had a dream of, uh, of becoming a writer. And uh, still nowadays, that, uh, uh, I think we could say that that's my, uh, my future goal. Uh, becoming a uh, a full-time writer so i was i was always passionate about uh reading writing and uh about food so i just decided uh to combine the three things together and just uh write a uh, a cookbook which in itself is not uh it's not an actual book it's just you know something very simple and uh was made uh, in a very basic uh on a very basic level but uh i'm pretty proud of i would call it a uh, a nice milestone or just a stepping stone for uh, for bigger projects of course yeah and uh, which type of recipes are there in the in this book are they based on ingredients you can find in iceland or is it more international or uh, the concept behind the book which is called uh, food and family is to recreate or uh, to show people the recipes that they grew up with so uh, pretty much is based on uh, Mediterranean cuisine and uh, on the recipes that uh, were cooked in the everyday life back in, uh, back in my family. So they're pretty much recipes that uh, my mom, my dad, and then eventually myself just cooked every day. And, and do you have a favorite one? 
Oh, that's uh, <laughs> that's actually a really hard question, I would say. Uh, I love simplicity. So uh, my favorite one would be uh, easily just some spaghetti with uh, with fresh tomatoes or even, you know, some... There is this uh, particular dish that we have in, uh, in our area, which is... Uh, we call it like pasta soup which is uh, pretty much a uh, broth made out of uh, chickpea, but it's not as liquid as a soup. It's a bit more uh, concentrated, like a almost like a sauce. And we cooked broken up spaghettis inside. And in my opinion, it's simply the most delicious dish that I ever had. Mm, and very healthy as well. Yes, yes, it's, uh, it is very healthy. But most of the recipes that uh, I grew up with and uh, then eventually ended up... Uh, uh, writing or adding to the book uh, Food and Family, they're pretty much poor recipes, like recipes of uh, of the farmers, as I like to call them. And uh, yeah, they are pretty, pretty healthy, made with just simple ingredients, but uh, very good quality ingredients, uh, like homemade oil, just vegetables that you can easily find in uh, every gardens, you know, in the south, uh, in the south of Italy. Or at least I had uh, the luck to find them in my uh, my parents' garden. And is the book already finished or are you still working on it? So uh, this book has been uh, published for the past uh, one and a half year. And uh, if uh, people are interested, they can find it on uh, online stores and, uh, and book libraries. I didn't have a uh, very big um, publicity behind, so uh, we decided just to have it on, uh, on online stores. But uh, as it uh, from today, I'm working on uh, three new books, one of which is, uh, is going to be uh, linked with uh, the Slow Food Youth Network here in Iceland. So it's going to be a uh, slow food book. And uh, the other two are going to be uh, personal projects, one including uh, the origins of uh, some of my favorite ingredients, uh, as well as their story and uh, some recipes with them. And the other one will uh, will be a book that will uh, talk about the bank background of um, foreigners living here in Iceland and their uh, homeland cuisine. That's also a very, very interesting topic. And by the way, if you send me the link uh, where people can order your book, then I can put it in the podcast description so that everyone can, can find it if they're interested. Absolutely. That would be very fantastic. And uh, yeah, but I'm very, very curious about the, the book that you're writing for the local Slow Food Youth Network. And I'm also curious about the, the last topic that you said, no? like how your uh, cuisine adapts to the uh, Iceland cuisine no, as a foreigner. So maybe you can tell me something more about those two books. Yes, absolutely. So uh, the Slow Food book uh, or Slow Food Youth book, we still have to, to decide about the name. Quick parenthesis, uh, here in Iceland, the Slow Food Youth community is, uh, is pretty small. So we'd like to think as uh, both Slow Food and Slow Food Youth as the same, uh, uh, as the same group. In uh, other countries, might be a little bit splitted into uh, specific branches, but over here, due to the fact that we are uh, such a few people, we're just you know we we like to call each other like generally slow food. So uh, this new book coming up is probably gonna be released in the name of uh, Slow Food International, and uh, it's pretty much gonna talk a bit about the the history of slow food, as well as the history of the founders of slow food here in Iceland. And uh, of course, uh, Mr. Carlo Petrini, 
and um, there's going to be a few of our projects that we have been uh, working on, such as the fight against uh, GMO cultivations that they tried to push in Iceland, the project with uh, with the homeless shelter where we uh, had free cooking classes for homeless people and uh, ex-convicts that were um, working, uh, that were giving back to the community, so they were like completing their sentence. So we just offered them cooking uh, cooking classes that uh, some of them accepted and ended up being quite a well success. And uh, we will have a small map in the at the center of the book that will show all the slow food places like restaurants and farms that uh, that we have around uh, Reykjavik and Iceland. And uh, in the end, there's going to be a small uh, section where we are going to write some... Um, some uh, zero waste recipes and just have some pictures of uh of our disco soup some pictures of uh those recipes and it's pretty much going to be a overall collection of uh different i would call them newspaper articles but they are going to be collected in a uh in a slow food book nice so cool i'm really looking forward to that <laughs> thank you very much and uh instead the the other book which i Cannot actually tell very much about it, but I will tell you the concept behind it. So uh, I consider Iceland as uh, my home country right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been living here for the past uh, three and a half years, and I'm planning to live here for, uh, I would say, quite a decent amount of time. I would not, probably not my entire life, but you never know. And uh, it's so incredible to see in a country as small as Iceland how the arrival of uh, new cultures is just implementing the lifestyle and just changing everything. And um, with this idea in mind, I just uh, decided to ask foreigners, as well as locals, just how they react to it, how they adapted you know, their, their lifestyle to the new environment. And just, I thought myself, which better way they will be than asking them, you know, what is their homeland favorite dish or what is their traditional dish and how did they adapt it with... Uh, with local ingredients or just with a touch of, you know, Nordic ingredients. Yeah, and yeah, I wonder also what is your personal experience with that because you come from yeah the south of Italy where also uh, like the culinary tradition is so strong and also you have um, like very, very fresh ingredients, for example, the pasta uh, al pomodoro, no? but of course like tomatoes that you can find in the south of Italy, I think they're quite different from the ones that you find in Iceland. So what is your personal experience with that? How did you adapt your own cuisine? Well, it was a bit hard in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, but uh, the secret is to have an open mind. Like I am uh, lucky enough that I moved away from my hometown when I was uh, soon after my uh, uh, high school graduation, so when I was uh, slightly over 18, and I had the chance to experience, you know, uh, the Italian style of cooking, but in foreign countries, which in sometimes, you know, they don't have that specific ingredient that you might find, you know, in uh, in a place such as the the south of Italy or in general in Italy. But when you are in that situation, the the best solution is just to improvise and to adapt. You know, for example, a an easy example is that I could tell you is that last week I was uh, planning on uh, doing a tiramisu, and I could not find the uh, mascarpone cheese in any stores, so I just ended up doing it with uh, with Icelandic skir, which 
you know, it has a different uh, texture, has a different flavor, but with just a little bit of extra sugar and, you know, just some love into it, you can still have a uh, product that can be called tiramisu. It's not going to be as, uh, as the original one, but that doesn't mean it's not uh, equally as good. So I would say just if uh, a person wants to uh, do their homeland cooking, but with other ingredients, just keep an, uh, keep an open mind and try your best to go around it. And on the other hand, did you find any uh, local ingredients that you really fell in love with? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, at first, uh, when I moved to Iceland, I have to admit it that my knowledge about this uh, isolated island is, was pretty much none. And uh, I was expecting to find some uh, very oceany flavors. You know, my first idea when coming to Iceland was to uh, eat lots of uh, fresh fish and, you know, lots of seafood. But the reality is that the Icelandic cuisine is so much more than that. And uh, some of the flavors, I have to admit, they are quite strong. But uh, nonetheless, they are very good. And, uh, you know, a quick example that I could tell you on the spot is uh, the Icelandic dry fish which at first might be a bit strong, might smell a, a little bit too much, too, a little bit too fishy. But uh, once you get used to it, it's simply the most delicious thing in the world. I have it right now just two meters away from me. After the interview, I'll probably just go grab a bite, spread some butter on it and just have a good snack. But I have to say that uh, there are some other flavors that are extremely strong. And uh, even nowadays, I still, I'm mean, still not used to it. And uh, one of those uh, ingredients or one of those uh, flavors is the fermented shark, probably one of the most known Icelandic ingredients, which is pretty much Greenlandic shark that, um, if eaten raw, is uh, highly poisonous and can easily kill a person. But uh, the way that they preserve it here in Iceland, they let it dry for uh, for months. They let all the toxic ingredients like transform and ferment. And eventually you have this edible product, but the smell is simply the worst thing in the world. And the taste is even worse. But that said, there are lots of people, locals and none, that uh, love it. <laughs> and um, and Cornet, what does a regular day For you look like what do you do when you wake up what do you eat for breakfast for sure not fermented shark but <laughs> well uh i have to to say that in the past year my uh everyday life got uh, pretty methodic so i'm very often following pretty much the same routine which is uh waking up at uh, 7 7 30 in the morning i uh, take probably half an hour to just get my senses and understand where i am And uh, after that, I'll spend probably around an hour just uh, working on, uh, on my computer. And um, around nine o'clock, I'm usually going to work at the, at the homeless shelter where I uh, usually stay around one to two o'clock. And uh, after that, I have my afternoon ritual, as I like to call it, uh, my few hours of uh, relaxation where I like to go to my favorite coffee shop, put my headphones on and just zoom out of all the daily chores and uh yeah after that i just uh i usually go home spend some time with my uh little furry flatmate <laughs> with a little cat called uh, called rory and uh after that i usually go to the gym go back home cook dinner 
and work on my computer until probably 11 or midnight. I know it might seem quite a uh, quite a boring life, but I enjoy it. No, at all. Why? You're doing a lot of nice things. And and also, do you write your books when you are at your favorite coffee shop or uh, at home? Uh, I usually bring my uh, my computer with me. It depends on the days. Usually, some uh, most of the days I'm uh, I'm writing, but uh, some other days I just prefer to go there and stare out of the window. I really hope that one day, if you have the chance to visit Iceland, uh, you would uh, accept my invitation to go to that uh, that coffee shop. You will see it's one of the best in towns, and the location is simply amazing. Just facing the ocean and the mountains, it's quite a mes- mesmerizing view. Even just sitting there watching out of the window, enjoying your coffee. It's quite a pleasant experience, I would say. What is the name of this coffee shop? So uh, this coffee shop belongs to uh, Teo Cafe, tea and coffee in English, which is uh, one of the coffee chains, I would call it, but it's not actually a chain here in Iceland, just a few locations. Yeah, they, they simply have the best coffee. There are other places that have uh, pretty good coffee, but in my opinion, this place is just the best one great so also if one of our listeners goes to Reykjavik one day they know where to go <laughs> and um and also Cornel you you said that yeah for now like you see yourself in the future future staying there in Ireland and um what uh, what are your your plans for your career uh, so now you're focusing on writing but do you also have uh, another dream or something you would like to do in the future well uh right now is pretty much focusing on uh, on writing as I said I'm a pretty simple person and uh, I just imagine myself as you know in some farmhouse far away from the city just enjoying the quiet and peace of, uh, of Iceland probably having few dogs three or four cats and just enjoying a simple life message or something that you would like to share with the other youth that are listening to this podcast i would love to suggest them or to just uh challenge them to go and try to help a uh, a uh, local homeless shelter in their area and um, this project that uh, i don't know if uh, you know about it but uh, with uh, with the slow food uh, youth here we tried a uh, project that we offered free cooking classes for uh, for uh, homeless people and ex-convicts and that uh, experience over there was not just uh, us giving you know like training or giving uh, giving some help to people but uh, on my personal experience they gave me a lot and I would highly recommend try to go to a homeless shelter in your area and uh, just offer them your help get to know people and you will be surprised how many new friends and how many new stories you will uh, you would hear uh, so which type of workshop uh, of cooking workshop do you do with them 
So I don't know. Do you have a? Is there a format that you saw that it's working so that maybe the people that are listening to us can also suggest a similar thing to the a homeless uh, shelter in their town? So I'm uh, not sure about other uh, homeless shelters or other kitchen soups, but the way that uh, this particular kitchen soup worked was that uh, they had no uh, no uh, staff members that were uh, trained in the uh, in cooking. At first, that's uh, what gave us the idea of uh, of starting, you know, a, a cooking training for them. So what I would say is that um, if you go and check out a uh, a uh, homeless kitchen or a uh, kitchen soup just uh, ask if they have the right uh, staff members to cook the meals and if they don't try to involve uh, try to involve the slow food organization there are very many chefs in uh, in our organization so most of them will be more than thrilled to go even once a week and just uh, and just help them out so they needed someone and uh, we were looking for someone in need of help. So we pretty much linked together straight away. But uh, then regarding the, the cooking classes, the way that uh, we were doing it was that uh, in the morning was a, a full-on work day, I would say. And everyone was doing a small tasks slowly, you know, teaching them how to, to be responsible of their own uh, stations or how to be responsible of uh, certain preparations. And then uh, for the ones that were accepting to stay uh, after shift or after the working hours, I was uh, usually training them in uh, uh, basic preparations from scratches, such as you know fresh pasta or fresh mozzarella or uh, fresh ricotta cheese. So it's pretty much things that uh, in our everyday work were not very practical because when you end up cooking for... Um, you know, 100, 150 people, uh, you cannot cook from scratch, you know, fresh pasta or cheese. We usually end up having that ingredients already. But uh, these uh, extra hour uh, lessons were pretty much focused on uh, training them a skill that uh, in the future might uh, have been very useful in the restaurant industry. But So you, you also make your own mozzarella. Oh, yeah. It's actually not uh, not very hard to make. No? How, how do you do that? Uh, it's pretty much milk. And then if you go to your local pharmacy, there is these tabs called uh, René that are uh, pretty much uh, condensers. No, not condensers. They're... Um, yeah, the, the René basically makes the casein separate from the other proteins. So you have like a co- coagulation of casein. Exactly. Coagulation, yeah. And uh, then you just burn your hands a little bit. But in the end, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, so everyone, let's try to make mozzarella at home. <laughs> Get ready to burn your hands a little, but it's going to be 100% worth it. Yeah, satisfaction in the end. <laughs> Especially for an Italian that lives abroad. <laughs> Absolutely. Perfect. So thank you so much, Cornel, for this beautiful interview. It was very nice to to hear something about a reality that is very different from yeah, the one I'm living in. And now that you told me also about uh, all these strong flavors and stuff. So I think it, it would be super interesting also from a gastronomic perspective. And uh, I think also all our listeners would uh, would agree on that. So thank you so much. Thank you, Valentina, for hosting me. And I really hope what I said was, uh, I really hope it's interesting for people to listen to. 
And uh, yeah, and I would like to thank also all our listeners for supporting us all the time. And I would like to remind you that if you like this episode, you can share it with your friends and also give us a five-star rating on iTunes, which will help us a lot to increase our visibility. So I will see you in the next episode. This is Valentina Gritti and you're listening to the Slow Food Youth Network podcast. Ciao!